Hello and welcome to My Camino, the podcast, a weekly discussion about the Camino de Santiago, the many and varied pilgrim paths to the remains of Christ's Apostle St. James in Santiago de Compostela in northern Spain. The last few months I've begun the interview each week with a quote. Well, the inspiration this week is via my guest, Tony Ford. He posted on the Australian Pilgrims of the Camino de Santiago Facebook page this week and he said, If you don't know what you want to do in life, you walk. And you keep walking until you find the answer. Silence, nature and walking helps you to discover what it is you are to do. And if you don't find your calling, then it means you've already found it. Walking. He's on the line. Tony, welcome. Thank you. It's nice to be here. So you walked the Camino Francis in April, May of 2016 when you were 16. So an obvious question to start with, what did your family and friends make of it all, all of it? Well, uh, I went with my mum. She kind of brought me along. Um, I didn't really tell many people about it because I didn't really know much about it myself. Um, a lot of my family, like cousins, my sisters, they thought it would be a great experience for me as I was getting older, becoming an adult. Um and a lot of my friends just thought it would be a long walk. Um, but in the end, I think everyone understood uh, that it was a very good experience for me to have at such a young age. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so you were 16. So did you have to take time, from, time off from school? Well, I was, I was going to be in year 12, so my final year of school that year, but... In year 11, I just lost interest. I didn't like the classes I was doing, and I was thinking of dropping out anyway. And that's when my mum said, uh, well, introduce me about the, told me about the Camino. And, and I was thinking it's either do the Camino or do year 12. So at that stage, it was a no-brainer. No-brainer. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that, that's pretty much it. I, so we had to leave, go to Spain, um, and so just not do year 12 at all. So did you end up doing year 12? Uh, no, I did another course in Melbourne then about uh, a year after, which was able to get me into university. So it didn't really you know, yeah. mess me up too much. Yeah, okay. And if you're listening from around the world, year 12 is your final year of high school here in Australia before you go to or on to tertiary study. So where did you start and how long did it take you, Tony? So we started in Saint-Jean and it took us 40 days. Um, so me and my mum, we weren't at all in shape, didn't do, well, barely any training at all. Um, pretty much we couldn't really be bothered to do it. Um, so like we got buses and taxis here and there. We skipped out um, about 90 kilometres just before Saria because of injuries. Um, but we decided this is our Camino, so we can walk it however we like. Absolutely. That's entirely correct. So, so your mum introduced you to what you said before. How did your mum find out about it? And what's the background there? Um, well, I only asked her this uh, a couple of days ago because I wasn't sure myself. And it happened in 2013 when we were at a wedding in Ireland because that's where my family's from. And I think... She remember seeing it, saw it on the television, and there was, there was a documentary about Irish people doing the Camino. And 
I don't think she really thought much of it, but it stuck in it stuck in her head. Um, and then I think it was about a year before we started, she revisited it and like started reading about it and got interested in it. And then it was at a time where she didn't really know what to do either. So that seemed like the perfect option uh, for both of us to go on the Camino. So had you heard of its spiritual nature, that kind of mystical aspect of it? Had you heard about it? Had your mother talked to you about it? Yeah, I know. I pretty much knew everything about the Camino. I uh, researched it quite a lot uh, in the couple of weeks before we started. And um, like St. James, I read his story before uh, the, the origins of it, medieval times. And it was just such an interesting topic that I wanted to learn more. And one way I would learn more is by walking it myself. Yeah, that's right. And so then you walked with your mother. Was it just you and your mum or did you occasionally walk alone or did you did you, the pair of you walk in a group? Well, most most of the time it was just me and her. Sometimes I would go on, you know, a couple kilometres ahead or she would go on. Um, we walked with... There was three people that really stood out for us. Um, so there was Chrissy from Germany, Jack from Brazil, and Maurizio from Germany. Um, and I walked with them, or we walked with them at different times. Um, but other than that, we walked our own pace and didn't let other people either slow us down or make us go faster. And so what was it like to walk with your mother? Well... We have arguments like all parents and children do, <laughs> um, especially walking 800 kilometres across Spain. So it was it was an interesting experience, but I think we learnt a lot more about each other. And e- even now, I still live with my mum. And we just because of that experience, we grew so much closer um, because the two of us shared a very special um, like journey together that um, no one else in my family I've had that experience with. So it definitely brought us closer and made us understand each other better. That's re- that's really fantastic. That's amazing. When on the walk, if you cast your mind back to the Camino de Santiago, when on the walk did you realise this is really something very special? Do you remember? Yeah, I think it was... When I was walking to Pamplona and the previous, so that was on my fourth day, I think. And I, I didn't really, wasn't really into it before that. I was just walking along because my mum made me and <laughs> I, I didn't really care at all. And then at that stage, I was thinking, wow, I'm walking with all these people I've never met before to a city in Spain um, where we're told that the remains of St. James are. And the belief, the belief of that just made me, made me so much happier to walk the Camino. And from that moment on, I just started to think like, this is such a massive part of my life that I'm going to remember forever. And it's so special for me um, that I just, yeah, I got really enthusiastic about walking from then on. How wonderful. And that would have put a bit more wind in your sails too, would have made the walk a little bit easier then. 
Yeah, it did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it would. So I know a lot of people listen to these podcasts, Tony, because they're thinking of walking themselves and they're trying to determine the best time to walk. So tell us about April and May. Uh, was it hot? Did, did you get rained on? Yeah, well, we did it at that time because we wanted to miss the heat because in the summer months it can get very hot, I've been told. Um, so this, the 1st of April is the first time that you can walk over the Pyrenees um, because it, it's actually closed off, so you can't beforehand. So we walked up to Orison, um but we were advised not to by the pilgrim's office, but we asked a local man. He said, yes, it's fine. You can walk up there. And it was the most spectacular day on the whole Camino. There was flowers out. There was, there was so much sun. It was There was nice, cool breezes. And then the very next day when we went to uh, Roncevallas, it was freezing. There was mud everywhere. And it was probably the worst day. So in April and May, you can get some of the best days of the whole year and some really terrible days but you get a real feel for all the seasons of the Camino in those two months. Yeah and and was it very busy? Um, it wasn't really there was we I mean before Saria um, we we never we never had a problem you know getting a bed to stay right. um, and there was I think there was three days on the whole Camino where a lot of the time we didn't even see anyone like a few kilometers ahead or behind. Um, so like there's no problems with crowds or anything in those times or being completely alone. It's the perfect time if you don't want there, if you, if you don't like the crowds or you don't like complete solitude, that's the perfect time to go. So what about deciding which routes to walk? Did you did you follow a guidebook? Um, well, we got the um, like a bit of information in Saint-Jean, but we didn't really have a guidebook. We, you know, we Googled stuff along the way about it, but otherwise we just followed the trail, looked at the towns and cities ahead and didn't really didn't really plan at all. We just kept walking. How wonderful. How, how exhilarating. And it's often said, Tony, that you begin your Camino when you leave home. Had you been to Europe before? Uh, well, I was born in Ireland. Right. And I came to Australia when I was just a baby. And I had been before in 2013 back to Ireland for a wedding. Um, but that was my first time in Spain and France. Um, but my mum had lived in Spain when she was 10 years old in the 70s, um, which was, it was, well, that was another reason for us going back because we stayed in the place where she stayed for a year just before we started on the Camino, which was for six weeks. And we got a sense of the culture beforehand, which really prepared us for then the culture of the Camino. Yeah, and that culture is so powerful and strong, isn't it? It's, and that leads me perfectly to my next question. What did you make of it all, the, the, the Spanish people, the food, uh, you know, and the culture? What did you make of it being from Melbourne and a 16-year-old? Yeah, it was, it was different, um, especially the, you know, waking up later eating later all that stuff was so much different um 
especially in Australia where like, you know, we wake up so much earlier and stuff, but, um, I really, I really loved Spain. I fell in love with Spain and the Camino as well. And just the culture of the country really makes it much more enjoyable as well. Yeah. Yeah. And the people too, isn't it? Sorry? It's the people. Yeah, the people, they're, they're very nice. I met, um, there was one man uh, when we first stayed there. Um, I can't remember his name at all, but he couldn't speak any English whatsoever. And at that stage, we couldn't speak much Spanish. And But he was so accommodating and so nice to us that it really set the tone for the rest of our journey. Yeah, I know. I was walking through a, a little town in between Leon and St. Martin del Camino, and a little old lady was standing in her garden admiring her roses. And I said to her, I, I, these are so beautiful. And she's, she's beckoned to me to come forward to give her a hug. So I was giving this little old lady a hug in the front yard of her home looking and admiring the roses. And I, I didn't come down from the experience for about half an hour. I was buzzing because they seem to be so accommodating, don't they? The Spanish, yeah, they do, the Spanish yeah. people, want they want you to have a wonderful experience, don't they? Yeah, yeah. I really got that like sense as well from them. Yeah, it's really quite special. So tell us about getting from Australia to Saint-Jean. Now, I know you had a, had six weeks at, a, at another part of Spain before you got to the beginning of the Camino, but getting to Spain from Australia is a bloody long way, isn't it? Yeah, I know. It's, well, we, we flew from Perth, so the other side of Australia, the western side, and like, we stopped off in Singapore and then flew straight to Barcelona, and that, that flight is very draining. Uh, I, I couldn't imagine like the next day walking the Camino no. no, plenty of people do though. Plenty of people do. So how? Yeah. Did, so so, just tell us how you got to Shenzhen. Did you go to Biarritz or did you did you go to? Uh, we went to. So we got a train from Barcelona to Narbonne, um, which is on the southern side of, of France, and then we we went to uh, Toulouse and stopped stayed in Lourdes for a bit. Um, for three days because we wanted to go there to pray before we started our Camino. So for the for the religious part of the Camino, that was where we believe we started. Um, and then we went to Bayonne and then to Saint-Jean. Lovely. How fantastic. Yes, I, I began my Camino last year in Lourdes. We started, yeah. we started walking in Lourdes. So what about an overall budget? Did your mum look after that or... How much do you do you reckon you spend each day? Um, just for the Camino? Yeah, yeah. Uh, she looked after everything because I can't can't trust me with spending <laughs> money. But um, well, we worked out that we spent around thirty euros a day each, and that's um, that's living very very nicely in um, like private albergues and you know, having our pilgrims meal at the end of the day and having a, like a nice lunch. But 
it's very easy to do it for 15 to 20 euros and money money on the Camino money isn't the problem at all you're always going to find a way because the Camino provides yeah yeah that's right it sure does and did you schedule rest days we had three rest days in total so the first one was in Pamplona and we had decided like yes 100% we're going to stay here uh, I was just I just had really bad blisters the day before and I, I couldn't walk the next day. And then we didn't have another rest day until uh, Leon. Um, again, we were just like wrecked from the journey. We needed another rest. And then the next rest day was actually in San Martin uh, the very next day after the rest day in Leon because we had walked um, 27 kilometres, I think it is, but it was a hard 27 for us because we never walked that much. And we both, like, we couldn't walk at all the next day and needed a rest. But, you know, there's no harm in taking rest days. I think some people some people think that there is, but it, the Camino, it's not a race you can take as long as you need. You can take as many rest days as you want. No one's pressuring you to get to Santiago quicker. Yeah, that's right. Take as many rest days as you want. Yeah, you walk your own. Yeah, walk your own. Uh, walk your own journey. Precisely. Yeah. There's no doubt that there's a very powerful energy on the Camino, Tony. So, when you got back, how did you describe that energy to people? It's it's very hard to. I don't think it can be accurately described to anyone unless they have walked it themselves. But I've. I've told people that it just, it's so empowering and it's almost like a, a pulling motion that you just keep want, you wanting to go back. And it's, it's, it's a very spiritual um, energy that is between you and the Camino, if you like that it's, it's, it's too hard to explain to others. But if other people walk it, you'll definitely feel that energy for yourself. And it's different for each person. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and you mentioned there that the, 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 the pull, if you like, uh, of the lure of the Camino dragging you back, you're actually going back again. To, to, yeah, yeah. Two and a half thousand kilometers. Tell us yeah, about that. Absolutely. Um, it will be in again April because I just felt that was the best time for me, and I, I had the number yeah, two and a half thousand kilometers in my mind because I decided that that would actually get me from Saint Jean de Santiago around to Finisterre and Wuxia and then back and then do that twice, um, and then I was thinking maybe the Portuguese way or the Norte or or anything, um, because I think you can never get tired of the Camino mentally. You get tired physically, but not mentally. I think um, you can walk the Camino as much as your life, uh, much as you like, and you're never going to get bored of it. Yeah, and you say, and I love this quote that you wrote: "You don't build a life; you live one." So if you'll forgive me, they're pretty powerful words for a person 
yet to reach 20. Where do you, where do you see yourself in 10 years' time? Well, I actually see myself living in Spain. Um, the, well, the Camino really did change my life because I fell in love with the, with the culture in the country. Um, so I see myself teaching English in Spain, and that's what I'm doing at university, getting, um, doing my Spanish there so I can learn the language much easier. But um, I think you, you can't get too caught up in keep trying to build your life, get money, and, you know, set up, set up your whole life as a young age. You can, and people don't live their life. So that's what I want to do. I want to experience the world first because if I get too old, I, something could happen. I could get sick. Um, you know, any, anything could happen that could stop me from experiencing the world. And that's, that's what I think. Um, I think experiencing the world is the best part of life. I think everyone has to, and it is the best way to learn about the world and to grow as a person. You're fantastic. <laughs> honestly, honestly, I just think that's wonderful to hear, hear a young person talking like that. Uh, I just think it's wonderful. So tell us about the parochial albergue in Granion between Santo Domingo de la Calvada and Bellarado, because you said it was your favourite. Yeah, uh, easily my favourite by a mile. I think, we well, we walked um, seven kilometres from Santo Domingo that day, and um, we stopped in Granion, which was, I think it's the first town outside yeah, Santo Domingo. I think it is too, yeah. Yeah, and so we stopped at the little bar there um, just for a rest, and we were going to walk to Bellarado um, that day. I think we had our minds set on that. And the, this man came out, Ken. He was a hospitalario, and he's from Canada, so he was staying there for two weeks with his wife. And he came out and said, oh, do you want to have a look uh, at the church? And there was me, my mum, and uh, three other women, Australian um, some from Wales and a uh, German. And we were like, yeah, why not? We'll have a look. And he brought us in into the albergue and I was just like, yeah, we're, we'll stay here. It looks very, very nice. And my mum at first, she was like, oh, we could walk a bit further. But then I was thinking, I, I, I had a very good feeling that this was going to be a great place to stop. I wasn't tired or anything, but uh, something spoke to me and said you should stay here so we did and um we slept on mattresses so there's no beds you get the mattress out from under the stairs i think they are and you know put them up and you sleep and you you set out the tables before having a meal together i think there's about 30 to 40 people can stay there but they don't turn anyone away so if someone comes and it's all full, they will say, we'll get some uh, cloth for you and we'll find a place for you to stay for the night. And so that was where I met quite a few people that um, I think really, really made my Camino. I, I met a, a couple of guys from Canada, met a few Germans, a few Spaniards. I didn't see them much again but sharing that that afternoon and night with them 
was a very special experience. Oh. And so before we had our meal, we went to the bakery, which is where they make a lot of the food for our meal. Uh, and we sing um, for them, for them to give us our food. And so we were, everyone was deciding what song we should pick to sing. And it ended up being Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star <laughs> <laughs> because no one could come up with anything. And, and the bakers thought that was like the most hilarious thing that they've ever seen, like a group of adults singing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. And, um, yeah, then they said that was great. They gave us our food and we walked back. Um, and then we had a lovely meal together and, you know, cleaned up all together. Some people, I stayed behind with some others, helped clean up, and some other people went to the church to, there was something there that I can't remember, um, but it was quite special for the people that went. And then some people uh, got their guitars or pianos, or the piano that was there, and some others brought their guitar and, you know, sung a few songs and then went to bed. How fantastic. How wonderful. Aren't they great memories? Yeah. Did, yeah. did you... Did you think that everyone you met was experiencing the joys of the Camino? Did you meet anybody who perhaps wasn't? I met, I met one man on my third day, and he had walked from Flensburg in Germany, and he started his Camino in July uh, 2015, and he was walking back. So he had already been to Santiago, and uh, when we met him, he, he was a very, very wise man, but he said he didn't enjoy walking. That was one thing I remember from the conversation. He just said something in Santiago uh, told him that he didn't tell us what, but he said something spoke to him, and then he just didn't enjoy it. He he just said he was walking with sorrow. So something could have happened to him in his, on the Camino or in his life. So, you know, everyone has their own ways, but yeah. other than that, everyone else was very positive and loved it. Yeah. I wonder what his story was. And you, I guess we'll never know. Yeah. How, how much did you carry? How heavy, heavy was your pack? So I think my pack was 10 kilos. Mm -hmm. Um, and me being quite a big guy, it wasn't, you know, all that heavy for me. But, um, yeah, it, I had a 50-litre bag. It says Banshee on it. I don't know the make or anything. But, um, yeah, it, it seemed to be a very good pack, and I had yeah. no problems with it. And tell us about arriving in Santiago de Compostela, you and your mum. Uh, it was underwhelming. Oh, actually, I, <laughs> yeah, well, when we got there, I don't, I didn't like to walk through the city. That was not great. And it was a, it was a hot day, so I didn't enjoy it as much, but, um, we got there and we were outside the cathedral and I just looked and said, oh, he's, you know, that all, that, that's it. We're, <laughs> we're done. And, but I think. I think I was expecting more from the actual building of the cathedral itself, as weird as that sounds, but because I had seen the La Sagrada Familia in Barcelona, 
um, just about two months before, and that was such a magnificent building. And then we got to the uh, cathedral in Santiago, and it's got all the scaffolding, and it's so old. And I just, I was expecting more, but then I, I, I came to understand that you know it's not about the building at all, like at not like not one bit. It's about the building. It's about the spiritual journey of arriving in such a holy place to see the bones of St. James. And the we stayed there for four nights in Santiago before going on to Wuxia. We didn't we got a taxi and buses there. But um then as the longer I stayed there I started to realise this is such a a spiritual place that uh you really you really come to love after the walking and not having to get up the next day and start walking. You can, you yeah. can stay here at your final destination and just think I made it. I walked across Spain to this city and this is where I'm supposed to be at this time. You know, many pilgrims are people who stepped out of their comfort zone. So older women and and older men who just decided to go to Spain to walk the Camino to find themselves in an adventure, in a sense. What did you learn from perhaps some older pilgrims, Tony? Well, when I when I went, I didn't speak to too many older people, but I, I, I don't know why, just I didn't not speak to them. I, we just never really got the opportunity. But I spoke to one woman from Wales, Ali, and she stayed with us in Granion. And she she said that the Camino is is such a is such an amazing thing because you you learn so much from other people from all different countries, all ages, male and female. And you learn to um you learn to understand how others live, and uh, she said she said something really quite amazing, but I, I can't yeah. I can't think of it right now. Yeah. But you know, it was along the lines of you know, it's this is this is how to live to walk the Camino. It's it's you know, it is the best thing you can do is to walk the Camino. Yeah. Oh. And that's when I started to think and I thought about that, what she said, and I thought, yeah, it, it, it really is the best thing you can do in life. What about when you came back, Tony? Often that's when the hard work begins. Yeah, well, we, so we then, well, after Santiago, we still stayed in Europe for another month or so. Uh, so we just like went around Portugal and the south of Spain before coming back. And we had gone back to Perth for a week and a half because our house was being rented out. And it was, I think I'm still like almost, well, you know, two years later kind of, I'm still not used to normal life. I, I still want to get up the next day and keep walking, but in normal life, like, you know, you can't do that. Um, but 
it was really hard for me to get into then a routine of waking up, eating my breakfast, going out to wherever I was going to, and then coming back and, you know, sit in front of the TV, watch something, and then go into bed. But the element of not doing the actual walking really changed my life. Mm. And then, so then I moved over to Melbourne because I have my two sisters here who moved over years before with my mum. So, yeah, so we were kind of in a stage where we we were living with one of my sisters for two weeks before we found a place to stay ourselves. And I think it it was a very few, it was a very hard few months because we had done this incredible thing and then we're moving to a whole new city like melbourne's like the second biggest city in australia it's so much bigger than perth and we moved to this whole new city i had so many new faces and new places around that i didn't know at all i didn't have friends that um i had known since when i was a kid so the the not just coming back into normal life but moving to a whole new city really was hard yeah um but then like every day still now i think about the camino every single day of my life and i just think that experience and the memories have helped me now in my life to become a better person and to you know just give me happy thoughts when i need them when i'm feeling down or you know if i if i'm just sitting there thinking you know what what do i do with life i just think i just, i just walked across spain that is like that is the biggest thing you can do and the most uplifting thing you can do in life yeah there's an old saying jobs fill your pocket adventures yeah. fill your soul yes yeah i heard that yeah what would you I say love that yeah, I, I love that saying too what would you say to someone thinking of going who's listening to this and wondering whether or not they should do it just do it if you have the thought in your mind you 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 need to because only like not no not many people hear about the camino on a scale of the world and if you have heard if you have heard about it if it might have been on the tv you might have scrolled past it on facebook or anything or listening to this podcast it means that you know you've been called to do the camino and you just have to, you know, go because don't, don't worry about money. Don't worry about your job or anything, because this is so much better than anything else you can do in life. You are fantastic. You are fantastic. Honestly, I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you, Tony, and good luck on your next Camino and perhaps our paths will cross one of these days. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so very much too. Buen Camino to you, my friend. Buen Camino. Thanks, Tony. All the best. Bye-bye now. My guest this week, the teenage Australian pilgrim, Tony Ford. He wrote on the Australian Pilgrims of the Camino de Santiago Facebook page this week, if you don't know what you want to do in life, you walk. And you keep walking until you find the answer. Silence, nature and walking helps you to discover what it is you are to do. If you don't find your calling, then it means you have already found it walking. Thank you so much for your company as always. I'll be back again next week with another Camino podcast, another Pilgrim's Tale. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins, Buen Camino.